The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele. And look at all this news we've got this week. A whopping two stories. Damn you, COVID. Jeez, uh, let's start with let's start with the Batwoman stuff because that's always fun. It is fun. Uh, as we know, Ruby Rose has left the Batman show or Batwoman show. Sorry, my gender's got. Well, her, the genders of that show got swapped. I almost said that in a way that would have made Lee laugh. But he's not <laughs> on the show, so screw him. Um, weird take that they're going to do on this. They are now saying they are going to drop the Kate Kane version of Batwoman and add a completely different character in for season two. Which, to me, kind of goes... Yeah, in my head, I'm thinking just drop the name Batwoman and call it after whatever character you want to use, because yeah, that that doesn't make sense. You know, I can kind of see instead of asking audiences to accept that oh, we have a different actress and it's the same character because that sucks, but that that happens a lot, uh, and basically you're just blowing off the entire first season of the show. It's like yeah, that didn't matter. I mean, of course, they can tie it into the events that happened in the first season, but that does seem to be kind of an odd choice. It's like, okay, we invested however many millions of dollars in this, and you invested your time as a viewer, and it's like, eh, we're blowing the whole thing off. Interesting. Now, if they're good writers, they could make a good flow going from there, but based on what I've seen of the CW shows, they don't believe in employing good writers. So I don't think it's going to be very well done. She was in a car accident and had to have a facelift and came out as, um, whoever Bill Cosby. What? (laughs) (laughs) That would be an easier, I mean, considering her, uh, occupation, that would be a really easy way to handle it. Yeah. And would make more sense. By the way. And well, that would mean kind of a stretch. But yeah, it would be, although if he got him on a work release program, he probably would have the time. He does, definitely has the time. Um, and they could have a lot of prison fight scenes. So that would be cool. Yeah, that's an odd choice, uh, I would say, because like you said, I mean, I know that was just kind of an offhand comment, but that would absolutely work, right? Yeah, so sure. Why not? An, an odd decision to. Uh, okay, we're going to have a different Batwoman character. I mean, yeah, there are lots of Bat people in the Bat family, and I get that, but that's just a strange thing to not have much of a payoff of that arc. Now, if they handle it correctly, it could be pretty interesting. We know they won't, but... Well, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have little faith in them handling it correctly because they make a lot of really bad decisions. Supergirl ducking from the fire. So, yeah. You want to hear a weird decision? I love weird decisions. I I think that it's weird in that they wanted to do it. And almost disappointing that they didn't. An interview has popped up online with uh, Aaron J. Waltke. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your last name, but you didn't spell it right. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, anyway, he was one of the producers of Star Trek, the next generation. 
who talked a lot about some of the stuff that they wanted to have on the Next Generation show, which I think this is, this would have been really cool if they had found a way to put this together. And there were references to it in the show, but you got to look for them. Apparently, they wanted to use whales and dolphins as part of the navigation system of the Enterprise, which explains why the ship was so so damn big, in my head, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's apparently a cetacean navigation lab that can be seen in a couple of episodes. And a couple of have-you-seen-the-whales references uh, during the series that, frankly, I never got. But now that I know that they're part of the navigation system, you kind of go, oh, that's what that was. Um, I don't know. I think that w- that would have been interesting to see and expensive to do, I would think, but interesting to see. Would have been interesting, but I wonder if part of the reason they didn't go with it, because if you take it as seriously as like, this is really happening, you know, if you disengage, ha <laughs> ha. Instead of engage, your sense of disbelief is like, what? how happy a life would the whale have? I mean, are they going to have a, a few thousand miles of water to swim around in? It's like, I don't, yeah. care how big, I don't care how big the ship is. They're still going to be in a big tank of water and not able to move around as freely as their human counterparts. So, I, I mean, from that aspect, that it's is like, true. well... People, I think, because that's what I thought of right away. It's like, oh, so you're sticking them in this freaking tank, and it's like, oh, what a what a lovely life of enslavement. Um, although they could actually have played that up and made the Federation villains or something, um, or put them in the villains' ships or something. I, I mean, it's a cool concept. And other than that, I think that would be really cool. It would be interesting to see because obviously it, we could communicate with the whales fairly well because otherwise how would we know how they're navigating or do we just trust them to take us where we want to go so then we know they're intelligent from star trek for them yes which and, and plus we know they're intelligent just from we know they're intelligent i mean I, it's a cool concept but it would be tricky to to make that aspect of it work although unlike the cw i would actually trust the writers of next generation to make it work uh i can see why they didn't go with it just because, like you said, even if it's CGI, uh, that would be a lot of CGI. Okay, CGI back then yeah, was would, kind of iffy. Yeah, so it would be really expensive to make this work no matter how you did it. So, I mean, that is a neat concept. It's just how would you make sure that they have a, a rich life? Um, you know, you go to the whole, the whole sea world thing, so. So... While we're talking about animals, yes, I have a new quote that I that popped up this week uh, about the, about the a film that oh the two of us just loved, uh, cats. <laughs> That's sarcasm, by the way. Um, I love this quote, and it's about uh, how cats is now streaming. It is true. Uh, the quote is: "If a movie is available on demand, but there's zero demand." Is it really available? <laughs> That's excellent. It's Sh- oh, it's Schrodinger's cat. Uh, if Schrodinger's nobody watches, movie. 
if, if nobody watches it, does it exist? <clears throat> and I'm sure a lot of people will be watching it for the reasons we, well, not necessarily for the reasons watch it, because you only watched it because of the show. Um, we watch movies so you don't have to, and this was one of them. Now, in this term, when I when streaming typically in our vernacular means that it is streaming across an electronic device so that you can watch it, and I'm thinking more of like the explosive diarrhea version of streaming. Because anyway, not, our first not review <laughs> not a good movie. Wow, but uh, our first review is actually a first movie. It is indeed a first movie. And it has a cat in the title, kind and of. It does, and it does have a cat in the title a little bit. Uh, actually, it shows a lady in a cat suit, which never appears in the film. Uh, I'm talking about... That's disappointing. A slightly older film from slightly. 1966. Yes, 1966, before okay. many of you fine humans were born. This is What's Up, Tiger Lily, which is the directorial debut. Wow, I said directorial twice now. Of Woody Allen. I'll, I'll talk about Woody Allen in depth a little later, but for now, all right. So Woody Allen is is indisputably one of the one of the comic geniuses of, of film. He's also indisputably some other things, but this was his directorial debut. He had written a film before this, but this is the first one he directed. Although he only kind of half directed it, because what he did was take a Japanese action film which itself was something of a spy spoof because this is 1966 and James Bond was a very, very, very big uh, back then. So it's a Japanese film called Key of Keys and he recut it and dubbed it and turned it into an absolutely insane plot about... Uh, <sighs> no way to say this uh, other than about a competition to get the recipe, the secret recipe for the best egg salad in the world. And that's what it's about. Um, <laughs> what a gripping plot that has to be. It is indeed a gripping plot. Now, the plot is only there to make jokes. Uh, so it's not a densely plotted film. It's not that kind of a movie. So you are following the adventures of the lead agent, and again, everyone in the film is Japanese. A few people are Chinese, but basically everyone is Japanese in the film. And again, they've recut a film that was a not exactly a spoof, I guess, but I mean, it's kind of a lighthearted spy movie and recut it into the fact that this guy is working, the lead is working for Japanese intelligence, and he is trying to track down a, an international arms dealer, whatever, and he gets involved in, in the mad caper of tied up with another arms dealer who is a rival who also wants the secret egg salad recipe, but only so that he can turn around and then sell it to the first guy uh, for a million dollars because that's how he rolls. So uh, basically there's a lot of running around. There's some nudity, which is, rather humorously covered up because at the very beginning, this is how the film starts. I know I'm starting about as well as the film does. So you're just seeing random shots of a Japanese action film. You're seeing people running around. They kind of like detectives, maybe kind of like spies and people are shooting at them and they shoot at people and things get blown up. And you watch this for about three or four minutes. And it's all in Japanese, by the way, without subtitles. 
And then suddenly they cut to a scene of a very young Woody Allen and just some random reporter guy talking about, so let's talk about this movie. And he explains, literally just explains what they did, that they took this film and they recut it. And I should say Alan recut it and dubbed new lines in. And they go back and they show the credits and they show the credits of uh, our heroes sitting in a strip club watching this girl dance. And the guy's kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's like, oh, come on. And it's like, she's just getting to the good part. And then she takes her top off and not wearing anything, except this is 1966 in the United States. So they had a graphic that says foreign version floating over her breasts so you can't see them. And it follows along. And then they go to a long shot and the foreign version moves off and it's just floating in the air. And they have two red X's over her breasts so you can't see them. Which tells you that things were... Uh, a little different in Japan back in 1965 when the movie originally came out in 1966 in the U.S. because they weren't going to show that in the U.S. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a pretty hard to follow the plot. Basically, it's the escapades of of Phil Moskowitz, who is the name of the character, the lead character, and he is <laughs> desperately trying to get the egg salad recipe recipe before the villain can get it because it's leads, it would lead to world domination because that's not what always happens in spy movies. Ah, it's, there are lots and lots of funny jokes, uh, which jokes should be funny. So that makes sense. Uh, lots of breaking the fourth wall. Um, at one point about halfway through all of a sudden it, it cuts right back to Woody and the interviewer and the interviewer says, is like, you know, this is really, difficult to follow do you have any can you tell the, 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 your viewers what they've seen so far and what he just says no and they cut right back to the to the movie uh <laughs> it's, there's it's not a great movie it's a really fun movie though um there's a heavy preoccupation with sex because woody allen um not saying it's a bad thing about the preoccupation with sex it's very funny and it's it's well done uh, the lead is actually fairly charismatic. I mean, the fact that you don't hear his voice at all. Uh, he, he reminds me something of like a, I would just say a, a George Clooney type, right? So he's charismatic and he's charming. And you can tell just from the way he's acting that he was making some jokes and some witticisms in the original film. Don't know how they came off in the original film. But it fits. It fits really well. Uh, it's it's a fun movie. Has lots of weird shootouts. Not weird shootouts. Has a lot of shootouts. It does have some weird uh, torture scenes, which made me think Mel Gibson perhaps had jumped in uh, as a young child and filmed part of it. But uh, in the end, well, you'll just have to watch it for yourself and see how it turns out at the end. And but there's a problem right there. This is really hard to get what's up tiger lily right now it's available on amazon as in purchasing it but the only versions that are available are all region two discs which unless you have a special multi-regional player you ain't gonna watch can i tell you a secret about that yeah tell me a secret tell <clears throat> oliver i, I found this secret. out uh when regioning was a bigger deal for us because we lived in europe where Ooh. region two is right um there's a lot of DVD players that you could, you know, if you find the look it up where to set the region menu. Yeah. 
you know, because it's different from player to player because if it's consistent, that would make sense. Um, (laughs) But a lot of them, if you set your DVD player for region zero, it plays every region disc. And a lot of people don't know that. I'm glad you said that because I had forgotten that. And that was something they introduced later. Does not work on every player, but it works on a lot of them. So it's possible that you can spend thirty dollars minimum for your uh, Italian version of what's up, Tiger Lily, and hope that it actually will have like a, an American soundtrack, which it might not. Which is another yeah. thing to worry about because it's not available on Blu-ray, I don't think. Um, but I mean, it, <laughs> you know. At this point, it's kind of bizarre that this movie is not available. And at the same time, given uh, Woody Allen's, uh, let's say, off-camera real-life predilections, I can kind of see why no one is in a rush to release it. Because while he's alive, probably no one really wants to add to his uh, monetary (coughs) bank. Because his movies right now are basically tanking. I mean, he never was a huge commercially successful. He was uh, famous, but didn't make a lot of money at it. Weird. Which he made enough, which is all he wanted, which is fine. And he made some terrific films, obviously. But I think in large part due to the fact that he made some odd personal choices that are, and really bad personal choices that his movies are not doing well at the box office at all. So I can kind of see that until he's dead, uh, you may not find What's Up, Tiger Lily um, easily obtainable. But it is obtainable because internet. As opposed to the the other movie you said last week. Which is... You were going to watch, and I watched it too. Because <laughs> it was on YouTube. And that's how I watched it, because I was going to buy it. I actually have a copy of it, but I think I left it with the kids, because they like the movie too. So, And these films are very similar, because this is also a movie which is a recut version of an older film well in this case it's several older films how many older films did they cram into this yeah six or seven at least and actually bits and pieces because i'm talking about j-men forever which came out in 1979 so we're moving up to the modern age now so j-men forever is a recut version of of a lot of the old serials and i'm not talking about tricks lucky charms movie serials as in they did they did in the 30s and 40s of various characters like Captain Marvel and Captain America. Yes, there was a Captain America serial done in the 40s. So they took these clips of these different serials and they framed it in a story about the J-Men, not the G-Men, the J-Men, another federal uh, bureau, who is trying to stop the global takeover and more specifically the United States, because this is a very patriotic kind of film in a funny oh, very. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Who to take over the world through rock and roll. Uh, can, can I point out it? Please do. Because at this point you, you told me it was a thing about, Ooh, taking over the world with rock and roll. And then we have the opening theme song to yes. the movie, which is kind of a uh, very cheesy classical. I thought, no, it's a movie that ha- that's about rock and roll. It should have a rock theme song. Right there, I kind of went, oh, this is going to be one of those movies. But it does have a lot of rock and roll in it. It and does. In, in, this isn't quite pre-pro because 
Oh, yeah, it was pre-pro, but it was pre-pro for that other show, the Nikki X Happy Hour. We talked about one of the bands that's in it, Budgie, which I had never heard of, which I felt better no, about. No, it's not the drummer heard of it. Susie and the Banshees. Because <laughs> Rob had never heard of Budgie either. Uh, but Neither had Lee, and I'm sure Ted hasn't either. Yeah. Hey, Ted. So, but they actually is some pretty good rock. I had always assumed it was just like some session musicians that they'd thrown together, but now this is actual interesting weird rock from. There the is a soundtrack available, probably from KTEL at this 70s, point. Probably from Billy Preston is also has a song on this, and so does Head East. So <clears throat> there you go. They actually have a couple people you may have heard of. Anyway, back to the show. So the J-Men have to stop the villain who is the lightning bug, baby, which is just one of my favorite characters in movies of all time. This movie is so stupid, but I love this movie because I, it's absolutely hilarious because they make huge fun of all of these uh, characters from the 30s and 40s, renaming them like one typical agent. His name is Sleevecoat. Uh Shazam, Captain Marvel. He is now the caped madman because he basically looks insane in, in all of the sequences he, he really he's does. in. Uh, Commander Cody, he is Rocket Jock. Uh, and they make fun of the fact that he has to turn a dial on his chest to whether how he what direction he's flying. And just some of the jokes in this are just absolutely classic. I, I love I love the fact that they actually used a DJ to do the voice of the lightning bug because that's really what he is. He's a DJ from the moon. And yeah, that it's the first scene took place in what Polka Waltz, New Jersey, which I thought yes. was kind of funny. Yes. And then all of a sudden click. Meanwhile on the moon. Wait, what, what, how? <laughs> and, and for those of you who are listening to us going, this sounds really weird. Think of it as many, many clips from MST3K only without Joel and the robots. Yes. And again, they dubbed all the redubbed all the lines, and they have the framing sequence of uh, Phil Proctor and Peter Bergman, who were founding members of the Firesign Theater, who were big back in the seventies. And so they do the framing shots; so they explain what's happening basically, and then you go back into the action. <laughs> but again, the the DJ Machine Gun Kelly was uh, not the rapper Machine Gun Kelly because that's he wasn't born when they made this movie uh machine gun kelly does the voice and he's excellent he's absolutely hilarious i love he lines up a bunch of guys a bunch of stiffs and goons as he calls them and he's going to take them he's, to teach them how to be djs so they'll talk real sexy like me and he you know he berates them he's like he dopes you don't know disco from crisco and just it's just the stupidest lines but just it's a stupid movie but i just love this movie because to me it's absolutely it's absolutely a guilty hilarious. pleasure kind of movie thing. Oh my god, yes. <clears throat> Actually has a really good rating on IMDb, uh, which I was shocked that that many people enjoyed it because it's a very uh, odd movie to say the least. But uh, it it's one of these movies you just really have to watch. It's 7.1 rating, which is really good, especially for a movie like this. Um, I mean, again, there has some really good destruction scenes because, spoiler alert, uh, New York City is destroyed. Um, And that's not really much of a spoiler because in the context of this film, it really doesn't matter, except for that there's a payoff joke that goes with it, which is good. 
which I won't spoil that. Uh, but you, you just, the use of all of these serial heroes, um, and, and especially the renaming of them, like a female agent, her name is Juicy Withers. It's like, oh my God. So. Mm. <laughs> Sponsored by Velveeta, because there's a lot of cheese going on in this. Uh... There, there is. There is a lot of cheese. Artificial cheese at that. Just like Velveeta. <clears throat> But I think this movie is absolutely hilarious. I actually have bought it twice, and now I'm probably going to buy it a third time. Even though, as Rob said, this is available on YouTube. Uh, the first time I ever saw it was, do you remember the show called Night Flight? Vaguely. It, it, it first showed up on, even actually the packaging of the DVD even says the Night Flight classic. So wow. how, how this was ever released initially? No idea, and I'm too lazy to look it up on IMDb, even though I have the site open. But <clears throat> forever, to me, is a funnier film than What's Up, Tiger Lily. Uh, the plot is more coherent, which isn't that hard, actually. Um, and, and the voice acting, the voice acting in What's Up, Tiger Lily is, is well done. It totally fits it. But Machine Gun Kelly, as, as, the, as the voice of the lightning bug, who, by the way has five different appearances and he explains that by saying he packed all five of his disguises because he's going back up to the moon yeah but one of them looked like queen victoria what what the hell was up with that yes one of them did look like queen victoria and one of them looks a lot like darth vader which of course he references in the movie so (laughs) i just uh, out of the two what's up tiger lily i recommend what's up tiger lily very funny movie gonna be hard for you to find it but it's a f- very funny flick, and it's an interesting look into the mind of uh, one of the best comedic film writers that, that we've had. He's uh, a weird mind otherwise, but an interesting look at Woody Allen and, and where he was going to go from there. And J-Man Forever, which I think is even funnier, is probably easier to follow and has some absolutely, I mean, just tons of just really goofy cheesy lines very very much so um stuff i got this week not as well okay one of them's almost as cheesy but not as funny and the other one just doesn't make a damn bit of sense i'll get to that (laughs) one in a minute i'm gonna start with something um that i brought up last week in pre-pro hi ted see i get to do it this week so there ha um that that todd had not scene it was a show called voyagers and no i'm not referring to star trek this came out in 1982 um story basically and i did not name anybody in this so bear with <laughs> me on this our main character's name is phineas bog and he's a time traveler or more accurately i suppose a time fixer because things go wrong sometimes and according to the people in the future and he's one of a group of the voyagers that do this. He travels through time and puts things right. Unfortunately, uh, the first episode, he lands in 1980. Uh, I think it's New York. That's right, 1980. <clears throat> and he accidentally bumps this 11-year-old boy, Jeffrey Jones. No, not the actor of the same name. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, bumps him out a window. And little Jeffrey might have died if Phineas hadn't jumped after him, activated his time machine, which is kind of a weird pocket watch, and the two leapt into another time. Now, the premise 
uh, for the overlying show is that Phineas has dropped his instruction book, which is really a history book, dropped it in Jeffrey's room. And for some reason, that never made a whole lot of sense to me. They can't go back and get it. So <laughs> Jeffrey is stuck with Phineas. But fortunately, Jeffrey is a history buff. And the two spend the rest of the series jumping through time, which looks literal when you go for these 1980s special effects. And they're putting things right. Now, essentially, this is a family show, which is fine. And Phineas, uh, who is played by heartthrob actor John Eric Hexum, uh, plays up his sexuality. But Jeffrey, who is played by Mino Palouse, and I apologize if I mispronounced that, uh, has a Jeffrey has a tendency to show up before anything resembling actual sex can happen. So, you know, family show. Um, the thing about the series is that there are a lot of historical figures that show up because they're fixing history. So you've got people like Cleopatra, Mae West, Marie Antoinette, Abraham Lincoln, Charles Lindbergh, Arthur Conan Doyle, and even Babe Ruth shows up at some point. Having him meet Cleopatra was weird. Um... <laughs> But there's a lot of actual history going on here. And just for fun, at the end of each episode, which was made in 82, 83, long before the Internet, uh, the show would end with, if you want to learn more about the characters in this particular episode, check out a book on them from your local library. That's right. The whole series is really just one big PSA for your local library. <laughs> and in 1982, I didn't care. Because I, I was, what, 11, and I liked it. It was fun. Uh, it wasn't quite the serious sci-fi time travel series like Doctor Who, or it wasn't as comedic as Bill and Ted. But, you know, it, it was good, wholesome family entertainment, just like yeah. the WWF. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> uh, there isn't a whole lot of episodes uh because there's just one season before John Eric Hexum accidentally killed himself, which is tragic, because uh, he was actually a pretty good actor. But the series, and I thought this was weird, the series is available from Amazon, YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play for $1.99 an episode, $14.99 for the whole season, or if you go to the NBC streaming service, it's free. That would be the way to watch it. Hmm. Let I us think. ponder which way to go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I actually would recommend Voyagers. And this is if you need something to watch with the kids that you can. They don't screw with history enough to make them fail history tests. And they might make your kids go, oh, I'm interested in Charles Lindbergh because I've never I didn't know who that was at the time. And now they might, you know. It's a good summer series. The kids are home anyway. Give them something historical to watch that they'll have fun with. There you go. Let me ask you something <laughs> sure. about that show. How does how does Mae West fit into a family oriented show on history? They <laughs> went around a few things, but it worked. Interesting choice. Like I said, Jeffrey kept showing up before anything resembling sex would happen. So yeah, because Mae West kind of enjoyed that activity <clears throat> from what you I'm read from what may west said i bet babe okay. Ruth liked her. i bet he liked her a lot then uh 
we're going to have to end on a bit of a bummer, I suppose, because the last thing I watched, and I, I watched this last night mainly because I kept seeing ads for it on Facebook. Damn it. <laughs> and it looked pretty. Well, and it was it a, a sci-fi thing. It's a movie called Blood Machines. And it's going to go <laughs> downhill from there. I, I see Todd nodding. Are you familiar I've, I've, with this? I have seen. I just saw the ad last night on Hulu. As a matter of fact, see there we go. Um, yeah. Now I did have to look up some stuff. Um, most specifically, when this movie came out, because it has release dates of 2016, 2018, 2019, and 2020. <laughs> oh, That's clever. Speaking of time travel, hey, now. It turns out that Blood Machines is not a movie, because I thought it was. It's a series of three episodes. Why? Just make it a movie, because each of these episodes is 20 minutes. That's not even an hour. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, now, the premise, as I was told in the ad, because I needed the ad to tell me this, uh, was that an artificial intelligence has escaped her spaceship and turned into a female ghost and challenges two Blade Runners to a galactic chase. Uh-huh. Now, like I said, there are three episodes, none longer than 20 minutes. And in the first episode, the AI ship cra has crashed. Doesn't cra isn't crashing. Doesn't crash into the planet. Has already crashed on the planet. And two guys, I'm assuming the Blade Runners... Uh, land in their ship next to it to salvage the ship. Okay, fine. Why does their ship have teeth? <laughs> I'm just saying. Is it a um, blood machine? I'm just... I, 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 I just work here. Anyway, they're trying to salvage it, but there are natives. Really? Uh, all female natives, as near as I could tell, who are convinced that the AI on the crashed ship is almost ready to come alive with its own body. Really? Okay. How can you tell that? We just know. Oh, well, if you just know. And they perform, I think they perform a ritual. It's kind of hard to tell. This movie is very weird. Um, <laughs> anyway, a T-1000-like thing emerges from the crashed ship and turns into a mostly naked woman. This is not Voyagers. There's nudity in this. Um, and by mostly naked, I, she's not actually wearing anything, but there is a glowing upside down cross covering her stomach. And for lack of a better term, I'll go with crotch area. Naughty bits. Well, no, we get, uh, she has a, uh, she has a very nice posterior that uh -huh. we see an awful lot of in this series and, uh, <laughs> some perky breasts that we see all of. Okay, fine. Not a kid's show. Got it. Uh, so she emerges from the ship and flies off under her own power. Because AI ghosts, I guess. <laughs> There's very little dialogue and an awful lot of daft punk-like music. So I'm thinking maybe this is really just an elaborate music video with a, with a plot that requires the actual script to read from because I did not get what happened in this series. <laughs> um, 
I read a review that said there was a lot of feminist propaganda, by which I suppose they mean, oh, a naked woman and her native friends who might be witches in the Hollywood sense or vampires or wizards or just have a thing for special effects exist. I guess that that makes it feminist. Feminist propaganda. It was produced ironically by logical pictures (laughs) and uh, distributed by Shudder. Which is a streaming service that does horror and thrillers, neither of which does this really qualify for, I don't think. I I subscribe to Shudder, and they have uh, more than a few movies that don't fit on Shudder. This qualifies. Um, So I'm telling you all of this because if someone, one of you wonderful listeners, could watch this uh, three episode music video <laughs> and tell us what the hell it was about and explain it to us. We, we would appreciate it. The, uh, the email address for the show is contact at cinema Uh, cause, 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 cause damn, I thought that pet shop boys movie didn't make any sense. This is worse. <laughs> I can't believe how many times I keep, I'm bringing up the pet shop boys movie this year, but between Blood Machines and Cats, the Pet Shop Boys are looking really damn good at this point. It is 2020. You know, th- this year is going to turn into the, the last line from Chinatown. It's Chinatown. Let go. You know, it's like, yeah, it's 2020. Wh- which go. goes back to uh, what, what's up, Tiger Lily? And now we've come full circle. And that's our show. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'll just leave you with this, that that the outside world is still not quite safe enough to traverse without protection. Um, I mean, face masks, but, you know, take a condom just in case. You never know. You never know. Uh, Just to be safe, stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, And on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Hey, who turned out the light?